Mr. Pop. <laughs> well, let's talk about that between the ears stuff. It's called a brain, Brian. Oh, I get that. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. What a rude, rude man. Uh, Fine, can you believe that's the way he wants to start the show? He doesn't come across like that during the actual show, does he? <laughs> no. He's sitting him like a Nazi you know, when we're off the air and it's all Mr. Nice Guy. Hey, everybody. Da, 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 but, you know. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to uh, Rock and Roll. My name's Kevin Hillier, and these other two dickheads, I don't know what they're doing with me, but uh, apparently they just, you know, they come in every every week and we spend a little bit of time together and talk some shit. So you're already putting down the show. <laughs> oh, is he talking about, he talking about us, <laughs> I, I, I thought there were two others talking about us. He's, he's shitbagging the show. We haven't even started yet. We haven't even been shit out yet. We haven't had any opportunity. <laughs> I like to get in early before you actually, you know, I like to set the premise up nice and early in the program. Mm. Hello, you two. How are you? Uh, welcome welcome to Rock and Roll. We started a, a minute or so ago, but, but welcome. Well, thank you. How are you, Brian? <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm a little shocked and stunned, um, you know, but apart from that, I'm very well. But I do have some – I do have a, a, a football question that I need you guys to answer tonight because I feel like I'm a dickhead, but I really do have a probing football question that I want to ask you both I'm about sure Finey has I the answer. I'm it. sure Finey has the way to help you well, be a bigger dickhead than what you currently already are, Brian. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. You are just in a very bad mood tonight, aren't you? You're being cruel. Proverbial harassment. I'm, I'm ready. Question? Go on. Go on, Oh, bro. okay. Well, I'm watching the Bombers and very disappointing. Oh, you poor bastard. Um, yeah. But, but I'm also watching a few other teams. Now, I just don't understand the value of zone defence. It's like I've got a bloke standing between two opposition players and then the team just gets to kick it straight to their man and my guy just gets there in time to mark the mark. And I just think, why don't they man up? And everybody, the only answer I get is, oh, we don't play footy like that anymore or it's too fast. But nobody can really tell me why we don't man up. And I think Essendon's skills... We should be manning up as soon as we don't have the ball. At least there's a competition all over the ground rather than do a basketball thing where we all wait till it gets the 50-metre arc and then we'll man up. I just don't understand why zone defence is good. It doesn't seem to work. My um, interpretation of that conundrum mm. I thought if I started with some big words, I might lose you, Brian, and then we could move on. No. Well, okay. I haven't right, heard here's the, the word. Thing, here's the thing I've, about coaches, right? Coaching yeah. is now done by committee generally, you know, by discussion during the week, and then they tell you on the on during the game there's not much to be done. We can't do anything anymore. It's already all put in place. Now, coaches uh, tend to be alpha males in men's football, and they like setting the agenda. So an AFL coach, if he says, right, we're going man on man, when they get the ball, we're going to man up, that makes some coaches feel as though they're being led by the nose 
by the opposition coach, that we're manning them up and not setting the agenda themselves. So they try and come up with alternatives to the very common sense of if we don't have it, make sure that they are manned up. And they try zone defence and they try different floods and different corralling methods. But the bottom line is that football is always going to be an instinctive game and it needs to be coached as it happens more so than today, I feel. Not enough moves, not enough instinct from the box. So sometimes watch these last five minutes and the coach looks like some helpless fan, you know, just sitting there watching his fate unfold without – obviously you can't send the runner out now to do anything, so they're just sort of sitting there dumbstruck. But why a zone defence? Because – it sounds good on paper during the week, but doesn't always work, does it? In fact, most things, for a team that's down on confidence, because it is an instinctive game, nothing's going to work during the week. You need to get them, you need to change it on match day. And I feel that teams that are in a downward spiral are often left to their own devices and, and stuck in the mire come match day. I saw it last year with St Kilda, their lack of confidence in front of goal and they were a better team than they showed on the field, but you knew ten minutes in. Here we go again. I think um, it's a great explanation, incidentally. It, it, to me, like a team like Essendon, we don't have the skills to execute whatever game plan we've got. And I, but even today, watching Geelong and Hawthorne, I'm sitting there going, "There's zone defence there," and it's all these uncontested marks. Due to zone defence, they only man up when they get in the fifty metre arc, and and also, like you know, what did Essendon kick about seven goals, fifteen or something the other night? Well, why wouldn't you put a value on accuracy for kicking? And because you know, the sports scientists said, no, no, they'll do a hammy or something. Well, so what? But you've got to practice your goal kicking. The goal kicking is pathetic, and I think. You know, if you man up when you got the ball, you man up, and when you don't have the ball, you run off your man and you can kick straight. Gee whiz, I reckon you're halfway there to being a good team. But everybody tells me that I'm an idiot. But um, I just want you guys to tell me why I'm an idiot because nobody tells me why I'm an idiot. So, yeah. You why can, first of all, you can't practice goal kicking. Because the sports scientists say it's – too much for them. No, no, no. Just just having shots of goal after training is a waste of time. Why is that? Because these guys are missing, not because of not being able not the problem isn't between the sticks, it's between their ears. Yeah, very true. You know, you know, don't tell me that these guys can't kick goals. They can you take them to training and you'll hear that they just can kick goal after goal. Of course they can. There's no one there, there's no pressure. I mean, they try and simulate the aerobic side of it, which a lot of, you know, because players cover a lot of ground today. So they do have shots of goal, even full forwards, under some physical stress. But they can recreate that. But you just can't recreate pressure. And you can't recreate the pressure that comes when you've missed one and, and you're having a bad day. This guy, Mitch Lewis for Hawthorne, right? Yeah. Came into the St Kilda game, eight goals straight. Good player, by the way. Really good player. Um, kicked the first goal and then missed the next six. Right, last right. two or three, sh- last two shots of goal. St Kilda at that point, by the time he had his last two shots, St Kilda was seventy points up. 
straight through the middle. The middle six shots were actually all relatively important kicks to keep Hawthorne in the game. And well, he missed them all because they meant something and he just got into a bad place. So that, surely mm. that's his mind, not his ability. Okay, well, that's his mind, but he's getting paid $600,000 to have his mind right. To me, it's akin to a professional golfer that gets the ball onto the green in the first shot or the second shot and then continues to four-putt. And if you do that, you won't be a professional golfer for very long. Now, these blokes are getting paid six hundred grand to kick a set shot from goal and they can't do it. Right, well, well, first of all, hang on. First of all, very few players get six hundred grand. Mitchell Lewis would be on two hundred and fifty. Now I know you say that's still a lot of money, but let's pick a round let's pick a figure that's realistic. And right. four putting is equivalent to kicking one goal ten. A, a goal in every ten. Four putts just don't happen. So if there was a footballer but, who but was that, a forward. But that's my point. That's my right. point. If there was a footballer who was a forward who kicked one in every eight goals, you know what would happen to him? He wouldn't be in the team for very much longer. All right, because well, there was such a footballer, right? St Kilda had a player, a full forward, who could not kick the ball through the goals. And he, could, and he never played senior football. He no. could mark. He was perfectly good. He went to Tasmania for a year, and then another club said, hang on, there is another end of the ground. Hmm. And they recruited him, and that plays Andrew Dunkley. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Now, he played well, two years at St Kilda as a full forward in the reserves. He could not hit the side of a frigging barn. <laughs> so, well, so you can't play as a forward if you can't kick through the goals. He, no. But he was good enough to a good enough footballer to make a very good career as a backman. Well, well I saw Harry Mackay from Carlton. Is that his name, Harry Mackay? Yep. yep. And he had a 30-metre shot directly in front of goal and somehow managed to kick it out of bounds on the full. Now, to me, that's like, oh, okay, I've got to play a G chord, but I only get two of the fingers right. You know, if you did that as a musician and you got it consistent, you know, if, if – if you were only 40% accurate with your chords, you know, you'd be out of a job. And these blokes, they just keep kicking terribly. Stu- I don't know. I just feel that I could coach better than Ben Rutten at the moment. Well, that's true. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good point. No one denies that. No, I, 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 the putting thing is is an interesting observation, Neil, uh, Sort of a, a, a comparison to make because it is, but but you're not talking about four putts, Brian. You're talking about you get one putt, you get one putt. You're twenty, you say twelve feet away from the the hole. Yeah, you get one putt to knock it in. If you miss it, you miss it. You get one kick at goal. You don't you don't get to have another three shots after that one. You have that one kick, and that's that's then you move on to the next one. Um, it, it's an interesting uh, comparison, and I agree with Finey. It's between the ears. It's not anything to do with the mechanics because they can go and do it on a putting green. I watch them when I, when I used to watch, uh, you know, broadcast from golf tournaments. You'd watch them knock in 20, and then you'd see them get a six-foot putt on the 18th hole to win the tournament, and they miss it because it's between it's between their ears, not, not the mechanics of what they're doing. And goal kicking is exactly the same. So a lot of, no, a lot of players who are really – Iffy around goal, 
are much better 40 metres further back. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, so, Scott Lucas was like that. Yeah, Levi Casbolt, Rocker. Yeah, so that's better. obviously psychological. The other thing is, by the way, um, it's not as easy a skill as people think, and it became a bit harder when, and Peter Dacos pointed this out, when we started using 10 balls a game and they're all sort of shiny and hard, you ask any of because I used to ask Peter McKenna this all the time, a beautiful kick of goal. He said by quarter time, halfway through the first quarter, the just when the ball had that factory gloss taken off it, he goes, it just had a bit more, he felt like there was a bit more contact between the boot and the ball. He could feel it. Yeah. And he said at that point, I could kick him from anywhere. But also, routine is very important. Um, there's a reason why players kick around the body. I remember when I played footy, I like kicking it around the corner as well. When you drop a ball for a drop punt, if you don't strike it perfectly, it slides off your boot. But if you, when you hit the belly of the ball, you've got a much bigger area to kick at. Um, I can understand why the superstars like Dunstall turn their nose up at it because they were brilliant and they never missed that contact point. But the ball drop's important. Some players have a bad ball drop. Mm. It's funny. It's funny, you know, you never realise that who the most accurate kickers in the league are because they're Tipping often not full forwards. Yeah. Like Brendan Lay was a magnificent kick at goal, but he was a ruckman, so people didn't care. St Kilda had a player who played for five years or four years for the club. He came from another club, had 13 shots of goal, kicked 13 straight. And there's not a St Kilda supporter who would know that he's the most accurate player in the club history. Who was that, Tony? Matthew Capuano. Oh, really? Yeah, he's played North Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, 13 from 13. Wow. If any player to kick more than 10 goals, the most accurate in the history of the league. Well, so you're not just, an going, just on that. You're, so you're not an advocate, finally, for them sitting, getting out there now and getting a Matthew Richardson or a, a Matty Lloyd or a Jason Dunstall or any of them to help with goal kicking practice. Because I'm not sure that the Bulldogs could have made the the inroads in the space of a week to turn around what they did last week to what they did this week. That wasn't a week of goal kicking practice. No, that was it's, just it's, mentally it's, up here. They went. It's in, yeah, it's infectious. Yeah. It happened to St Kilda at the start of last year. A player had missed a shot, then somebody else had missed a shot. So the next guy had pressure on him. Yeah. And let's just say that third shot was a good kick but just got touched on the line or hit the post. Well, let's well, talk about – Well, then the fix is in. Then everybody feels the pressure. Yep. Well, let's talk about that between the ears stuff, okay? It's called a brain, Brian. <laughs> I get that. I'm all over that. Um, well, okay, we've got a sports psychiatrist. We've got a coach. We've got a forward coach. How many people do these soft blokes need to get their head right to do their job to kick the goal? You know, we don't have a, a music coach to say, oh, you've got to hit the chord right tonight. We just know how to hit the chord. Um, but, you know, the golf players, they're putting away. You know, they might have a sports psychologist, but... You know, what does it take to get your head right so you can kick a goal when you've got a coach, a forward coach, a sports psychiatrist, a, a, a parish chaplain? You've got all the support you can possibly freaking get 
and yet somehow you can't get your head right to do this basic skill of kicking a goal. I think it's piss weak. Brian Mannix, endorsed by Scott Morrison. Have a look at Jack Higgins from St Kilda. Last year against Sydney, should have won us the game, just kept missing. Now, kicking the ball beautifully, goal. Same person, same action, just a little bit of confidence and the monkey off his back, you know. Here's but what you is, need to do, but Brian. isn't his job to be, to make sure that he has that confidence every Saturday or whenever he's playing? And isn't that the coach's job? Oh, no, hang on, Brian. You get up on stage. You're not. You're not the same level of confidence every night. You get up on stage. Some nights you reckon you've got it. No. Some nights you haven't quite got it. it, it yeah, it's human nature, mate. But even if I don't feel I have it, I deliver. I'm at least a seven out of ten. And a lot of these forwards, there were four out of ten. Some nights there were three out of ten. And I just think their inconsistency is unforgivable because right, this right, is your job. Australian rules footy is unique in that it registers the misses. So it it Gee, does tend point. to it does tend to amplify that problem. You know, I mean in soccer players miss or whatever, but there's no behinds to keep a record there's no of score of the misses. Yeah, so hey it's there for everybody to see. That's a I really mean, good we, point. We get but told even, who's accurate and inaccurate. <clears throat> Yet here we are, <clears throat> pardon me, in 2022, and even though champion data claim to have all the stats in the world, which they do, why are we being told that, well, let's have a look now as he lines up for goal. Harry Mackay has kicked 11 goals, nine this season, so he's kicked from 20, you know, 20 scoring shots, 11 goals. That, that's not the stat that's correct. How many shots of goals has he had for goals? Yeah. It doesn't count out on the full. Yep. Yeah. You know, here, Casbolt kicked one goal four, but he actually kicked three on the full. So the fact is, we even in footy, we ignore the complete misses. Completely ignore them. Yeah. Couldn't care less, apparently. Jamoan says a great thing about Aussie rules uh, with, the, with the points, and he goes, it's the only game in the world where – if you miss the goal, we still give you a bit of a bonus prize. And, he, and he, his description, I was like, well, you didn't get the goal, but we can see what you were trying to do, so we'll <laughs> give you a point anyway. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that's pretty good. You know why I love the point in football? Unless it's the last minute and you need it to win or, or draw or whatever, there's no point. Like, it's the right ratio. One to six is a good ratio because there's no point where you say, Oh, that's not bad. We've got two or three points in a row. That's half a goal. (laughs) At no point is a point satisfactory. So I like that. Yeah. Except the 1966 grand final. I'm saying sometimes you need it at the end of a game. But um, during the game, you never sort of say, ah, thank goodness we've got a couple of points there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. All right, Mr. Mannix, I'll tell you what we'll do now. We'll head straight to the uh, the tips for last weekend and uh, and this weekend. Are we, uh, incidentally, we have started the show, in case you're wondering. Uh, Brian, this week, <laughs> you've done well. You're on, you've got five. Woo-hoo. Well done, Brian. Well done. Which was exactly the same number that I got and one less than what Finey got, mm, who's increased well his lead with six. 
And and funnily enough, you got six even though you went for the Eagles. Yeah. There you go. Because I, you went for that, Frio. I got that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, you got the Eagles wrong, but you got Frio right. Oh, well, Frio. Now that seems obvious, doesn't it? Oh, not not to maybe the third member of this panel, I don't think. And uh, well, I think, Brian I think Manning actually, coached Essendon three, wouldn't have lost. <laughs> That's right. We wouldn't have lost. We wouldn't have just embarrassed ourselves if nothing else. And, you know, I would have had two metre Peter down on that big bloke that was nine inches taller than Laverde. I would have stuck Redmond up in the forward line. I would have done something. Not oh. Redmond, I told you, Native American. <laughs> <laughs> so current standings are Finney's on twenty nine, I'm on twenty six, Brian, you're on twenty. So you're actually in the same you're in the same postcode as us now. Oh, it's, it's all coming back. To Isn't me, that good? Well, let's see how we, if you can keep it going. Let's get to the games for this weekend. We'll get straight into the tips, then we'll head to the chart and the other business of the day. Uh, round six starts on Friday night when the Giants will host your St Kilda boys in Canberra at Monica Oval uh, on a uh, what will probably be another freezing cold uh, Canberra night. Uh, so, Mr Mannix, you can go first here. Do you like the GWS Giants or St Kilda in Canberra? There's a lot to like about St Kilda, but I just think the Giants are underperforming. They're probably more comfortable at Canberra than the Saints, so I'll be going for the Giants, Kev. Okay, I think you'll be the only one to be going for the Giants. I'm going for St Kilda. Jeremy, Cam- sure Jeremy Cameron's back, isn't he? Well, who's that guy that they've Toby got? Toby Green's Green. Back, yeah. yeah, Toby yeah, Green. That'll help. That'll yeah. help. Okay. Uh, no, I'm going St Kilda. Finey? It's a tough game. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Giants. Uh, you are not. Oh, yeah. You You're are joking. not. I am. Are you serious? Really? Yeah, yeah. I think they'll win. You, you want wow, me to put the Giants it, down? Yep. Okay. Well, that surprised me. I thought I'd be the controversial one on this round. Okay. Uh, Saturday, Western Bulldogs take on Adelaide Crows at Mars Stadium. Uh, that's uh, in Ballarat. Uh, so we've got uh, Canberra, then we've got Ballarat. So obviously I'm going for the Western Bulldogs to beat the Crows. Probably been a bit stiff in a couple of games, to be honest. Um, what yeah, about you? Good, the Crows. What about you, Mr Mannix? Bulldogs, Crows. Well, 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 Kev, I'm a bit stiff right now, but um, look, the Crows have been um, <laughs> quite good. I, I just dislike Tex Walker. I just, um, even though he did get the, um, the boot studs into his thigh or something the other night, I thought that was um, pretty disgraceful from Cochin. But um, no, look, I'm going to go for whoever's not the Adelaide team. That'd be the Western Bulldogs. That's my team. I love them. Okay. I'm Bulldogs, Finey. Yeah, last time I went and saw Adelaide live, Walker was playing and somebody like Brian obviously didn't like him and yelled out, you're a dog, Walker. I said, oh, can I have his phone number? We need a dog, Walker. I've got a border colleague. She loves it. Good um, so yeah, I'm going for uh, the Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Port Adelaide will play the West Coast Eagles at Adelaide Oval Saturday afternoon at 4.35. Zero and five for Port Adelaide and uh, zero effort from the Eagles on the weekend. Did What, they have one goal at half time or two goals at half time? Two straight, yeah. They, uh, they are Scheisenhausen. I'm going to go for Port Adelaide to win that one, but not with any great conviction. Uh, Brian? 
I think Port Adelaide were very unlucky to um, lose against Carlton. It was a great comeback. Well, they kicked seven points in the last quarter. They should have won by three goals. Um, yeah, look, they're not that bad a team. As we said last week, you know, how could a team that was pretty good last year become so shit ass? I don't think they are that shit ass, and I think they'll come back and they'll win this. Finally? Look, there's no Dixon, no Wines, no Alir Alir. Um, I think maybe they might be getting Alir Alir back sooner. Anyhow. No, he played on the weekend, didn't he? Did he? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I saw that. Oh, maybe that black was hair with a little yellow strip right. there, running around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was his brother, Alir, Alir, Alir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the makes them call him. It makes them that at dinner time. Alir, Alir. <laughs> oh, I'm calling me. Alir, Alir, Alir. Um, so I am going to go for Port Adelaide. West Coast is stinking up the house. Oh, are they ever? Uh, the other Perth team is uh, Fremantle. Of course, they're taking Carlton on in Perth on Saturday night. At uh, there's no game in Melbourne on Saturday, isn't that weird? There's one at um, Ballarat, Adelaide Oval, and Optus. There's no Saturday night game. Uh, so Frio taking on Carlton at Optus Stadium in Perth. I'm going to go for Frio. Don't know why, Brian. I think Frio are potentially a top four team. Um, I know they made Essendon look bad, but I think they're actually pretty good. They will smash Carlton, I reckon. Okay. Finey? Three for Frio. Jeez, okay. Might be a first for the year. Uh, Sunday, North Melbourne take on Geelong, beaten uh, today by a couple of goals by Hawthorne. North Melbourne were not very good, uh, particularly in the first quarter. They started uh, awfully. They're playing a Blundstone Arena down in Tassie on uh, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. I'll have to go the Cats here. Brian? I think as my uh, North Melbourne should get used to Bloodstone Arena because that's, I think, their future. The Tasmanian Kangaroos, they were rubbish on Good Friday. What an embarrassment. It was an improvement on last year's 128-point loss on the big stage. But what, they lose by 77 or 78 or something? It's just it's just embarrassing for their fans. I've been speaking to a few at the pub and, no, they're not happy. <laughs> so you're tipping the cats? Oh, shit, yeah. Yep, and I would... Oh, it's the first swear word of the whole show, damn it. Oh, oh no, there's plenty in the intro. Um, oh, God, well, I forgot who are you, about that. Who are you going for, Finey? The Cats, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not that impressed by the Cats. I think they're vulnerable. They'll beat North Melbourne. Um, Treat North Melbourne, they've made some recruiting errors and... Very interesting who their list manager is, Glenn Luff from Champion Data. There's a difference between playing fantasy Is he actually football. their list manager? Yeah, difference I... between fantasy football and <coughs> real football, I tell you. That. Yes, that's a very interesting observation. I knew he was on their recruiting stuff. I wasn't sure. He's their list manager. Okay. Um, he was a regular on – no, not on your show, was he? He was a regular on SEN, though, for many years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a really good bloke, Glenn. Yeah, yeah no, no. I've yeah, met him a few times. Um, I'm going to say it. There's, it uh, there's more chickens on their list than you can find at the at poor old Brian's Red Rooster. <laughs> hey, did you see that Red Rooster? <laughs> the Red Rooster burnt down yesterday. Did they notice? Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it took something like 18 seconds for it to 
catch on fire and the whole thing collapse. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. It's great it's, news. It must be like a giant dinner box. Actually, <laughs> <isn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodness. All right, let's go. The Gold Coast Suns in Brisbane. This is the uh, the Queensland Cup, uh, the Q Cup. Uh, Metricon Stadium, 10 past four on Saturday afternoon. The Suns and the Lions. Mr Mannix. Oh, my team, the Gold Coast, are the only – or second team, the Gold Coast, and the only thing that's saving me from an absolute bashing from Carlton supporters who've just been bagging me about Essendon. And I've been lucky enough to say, how'd you go against my other team, the Gold Coast? Yeah. So that's been great. Right. However, mm. I don't think they can beat uh, oh. Brisbane. So I'll be going jumping on John Kirk's team, the Brisbane Lions. Okay, finey. There used to be a song by, I can't remember who it was by, Master and Servant. Do you remember that song? Master and Servant? No, I don't. Uh, quite a good song. Good, good track. Uh, well, there is a Master and Servant here, and unfortunately, once again, Gold Coast will be wearing the leather shorts and the ball gag in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the first time that's ever been used in a footy tipping s- scenario by anybody, I would have thought. It just creates such a great <laughs> mental image, doesn't yeah, it? Gold <laughs> falling in on all fours. Oh, Gold Coast on all fours oh. and giant Brisbane with a metal-studded leather paddle. <laughs> uh, um, and... Uh, yes, and later on, finally, he'll be going through his favourite gladiator movies. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I can't tip anybody else but the Lions after that because my visual image of what the Gold Coast Suns will look like has just been shot to bits. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, where are we? Sunday. That's right, because oh, it's another long weekend, of course, Anzac Day. Um, so, Sunday night, the game will be Richmond and Melbourne at the MCG on Sunday night. Jeez. Brian? Melbourne. Melbourne. Finey. It's going to be a cracker of a game. Richmond will not just fade quietly into the fading sun, and they're going to have some wins this year. Can they beat Melbourne? Can they? Melbourne are very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. Been they're up for a long time. Yeah, they're not going to beat, win all 22 games, Melbourne. I don't um, uh, I'll tip Melbourne. They're okay. Yep. Me too. I can't. I can't go past them at the moment. Uh, now Anzac Day. There's two games on. Hawthorne are playing the Swans at the University of Tasmania Stadium uh, on Sunday afternoon at twelve thirty. So let's get to that one first. The Hawks off a good win today against uh, against the Cats, and the Swans obviously are going well at the moment. Brian, who do you like in this one down in Tassie? Well, I've been told not to back against the Swans too much and don't back Richmond too much. So I'll be backing the Swans on this one. Swans to beat Hawthorne, funny. I love the way he tips on advice given to him <laughs> by a shonky bloke four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll just stick with that for the year. Yeah, who who, who we oh, got three? Like inside information. At the moment, they're not bad bits of advice. Well, inside information told me that there's big problems in at Essendon. And, um, oh, you don't need inside information to know that. Well, no. Um, and the problem is that they've all been told, Devin Smith apparently, he said, I'm not playing VFL, so he's in the team. You know, you can't have that. And, um, and they've been told to hold their structure and protect their area. 
which means that the opposition just gets the ball. But no, there's big troubles down at Thing, and I'm, I'm losing the vibe on Rutten. So that for the first time this year, I'm going to say, sack the coach. Oh, God, we haven't got to the Essendon game yet. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm still getting Finey's tip for the Swans and uh, Hawthorne. Who are you going for, Finey? I'm going for the Swans. Swans, yes, I have to concur with my learned colleagues on that one as well. And the last game of the weekend, of course, is the Anzac Day tradition at the MCG on Monday, 3.20, when the Bombers will take on the Pies, both sides coming off a loss from last week. Mr Fine, you can go first. Interesting game. Isn't it? I'd love to see the teams, but I heard Merritt and Stringer are definitely not playing, and I think Essendon's depth has been found out. That's their big problem. No depth, and I don't like what Rutten's done to Draper. You know, I mean, he's just got to let the bloke ruck. I know Phillips is okay in the ruck, but just having Draper playing bits and pieces here and there has turned a dynamic footballer into a a sort of a long-haired louse without much to do. <laughs> uh, so misusing of him, Collingwood, uh, they've got some cracks appearing as well, but I think I'm going to have to go for the pies in this one. The pies to beat the Bombers in a mediocre uh, Anzac Day. It'll be a great game, but mediocre in terms of the two teams. Play. Yeah, they're both very unconvincing, un- inconsistent and uh, and not reliable teams by any stretch of the imagination. But if I had to pick out, out of the two, which I do have to do, I'm going for Collingwood as well. I think but they've I just say, got I a little bit love, more going I, for them. I love the game. They're going to get close to 100,000 people at the MCG. And it's just a marvellous opportunity for us who live near the MCG to leave our cars unlocked because we know that most of the criminals will be behind <laughs> locking the gun. So. <laughs> uh, uh, now, Essendon, uh, now I think uh, I was running saying last week you said that they wouldn't win by, what was it, more than 15 or something you said last week. You made some outlandish statement. I think it got down to five. Outlandish statement last week. Well, you got pumped by about 70, so... What are you thinking about their chances this week? And are I mean, you are you going to jump off the bandwagon and jump on the Collingwood and, and actually tip Collingwood to beat your team? Bob, uh, Collingwood, Bombers to lose by 26 points. Oh. So no, we're rubbish. You're we're tipping, rubbish. You're going the pies. I don't want to, but, you know, I can't just follow my heart all the time. And, you know, Essendon... You know, the, the win against Adelaide was the most disappointing win I've ever seen. They just don't have the urgency that you need to win. And, you know, obviously there's not enough people trying to rev them up. But, no, no, it's a joke. It, I'm embarrassed by the team. It's just no good. And they'll lose to Collingwood, I say, quite confidently. But, however, when I picked them to lose last year, they started winning. So let's hope that turns things around. Okay. Well, as Finey mentioned, it will be, uh, as it is, uh, one of the great sporting occasions uh, of of the year, uh, one of the great sporting matches of the year. I hope uh, they get a full crowd at the MCG and it is uh, a game befitting the occasion that it's become uh, over the years thanks to, you know, the uh, the promotion and publicity that, that game gets. So, No. Uh, you know what I've said about the Anzac Day game? No. Ever since its inception, when they chose Essendon and Collingwood to be the two teams, no game puts bums on seats like that one. 
No, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you won't find bigger bums than those. Two <laughs> <laughs> I knew there'd be a sting in the tail there somewhere. Uh, now, look, I don't know why we didn't, but last week we didn't mention the passing of Chris Bailey from the Saints, which was remiss of us. Brian, I'm sure you came across him in your in your days uh, somewhere. I didn't actually, but really? um, a very big fan of his work, um, stranded um, by the Saints, you know, that did quite well in England at a time when, you know, they weren't, didn't have the image like the Sex Pistols and, um, you know, the Damned and the Clash and all that. They just went, oh, stuff, it was where our runners and stuff, but a great song and um, holds up well today. And I think um, just like Firewood is, you know, no wonder Bruce Springsteen recorded it. Um, and just a great voice and it just a, a unique approach to music, which I mm. think was really great. And um, I was really surprised. Like how old was he, Kev? 65. Gee, it's young, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, you know, at our age, <laughs> well, it is no sixty-five. I mean, these days, so you're getting you're well, getting well into your seventies. Even if you've given yourself a fair flogging over the years, you're still getting into your seventies. So, no, it was a bit young. Were you a fan of uh, the Saints, Finey? Yeah, yeah, they were, I had a couple of mates who really loved them. I know Rowan loves the Saints. Yep. Um, yeah, but I, was, I only know their mainstream stuff. I, I think I saw them once down at Tote in Fitzroy, maybe. But, yeah, really good. And Chris Bailey's sort of a really earthy Australian performer, not not one for the not one for the um, headlines or the social pages, but highly respected as Brian conveyed just a moment ago so eloquently. Yes. Yes, yeah, so I uh, wanted to mention that. Uh, Jack Newton is another one who passed away uh, this week, just gone at the age of 72. Um Quite uh, quite amazing that he made it to the age of seventy two, uh, given what happened to him in nineteen eighty three with the the accident with the plane, and then uh, his life after that, where he became uh, really probably uh, one of the great golf commentators of all time, certainly um, the voice of golf in this country for a very long time, and and uh, terrific golfing character, terrific sporting character. We don't never really discussed whilst he was alive, but. He lost more than an arm in that terrible, um, you know, incident with the motor, with the plane prop or whatever. It sliced, you know, half, it sliced half his body off virtually. Yeah, you know I'm saying severe internal injuries. You know, brave fight. He was a great golfer at the time. He really, you know, he was on the verge. He'd come second in one of the majors. He was he come on second the in two of the majors, I think, actually. Yeah. yeah beat him, a young Seve Ballesteros beat him in one and. I'm trying to think who beat him in the other one. Yeah. Terrible thing to happen. God. But you've got to be he, careful around he was still a, with alcohol and stuff. Mm, he yeah. was still a good golfer with one arm, though, afterwards, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he, hit still, the ball, he still hit the ball pretty cleanly, yeah. Did. Yeah, yeah. He still Amazing. beat most people, you know, with one arm. So, you know, a life well lived and uh, a man that fought back from adversity very well to continue his life in a very successful way, and you've got to admire that. Yep. So, uh, yes, uh, RIP to both Chris Bailey and to Jack Newton, who both passed away in the last 10 days. Now, let's get to our uh, – now, we haven't done – we haven't done the 90s this year. We've not gone anywhere near the 90s this year, uh, and this week 
marks our first foray into the 90s. So I searched high and low to try and find a chart. I actually even asked on our social media for people to send us some charts. Uh, and the, what we've come up with is the ARIA chart for April 15th, 1991. Well, well, well. What a wonderful piece of um, material this is. And just before we get to it, I have to do one other little bit of business about last week's chart. Peter Sarstead, who we talked about last week, who did Where Do You Go To My Lovely, which was one of your songs, Brian. Um, we talked about whether he was still with us. He he passed away in 2017, so I wanted to get it on the record that we didn't um, end his life last week. He was, he's been deceased for quite some time. So... April 1991. Let's uh, go through the uh, the top 10. Number 10, Better, The Screaming Jets. Nine, Crazy by Seal. Eight, The Horses by Daryl Braithwaite. Uh, seven is Do the Bartman by The Simpsons. Six is The Shoop Shoop Song by Cher. Uh, five is Sadness by Enigma. Four is Sucker DJ by Dimples D. Three is Falling by Julie Cruz. Two is The Tingles EP by Ratcat. And the number one song in April of 1991 was Joyride by Roxette. Ooh. What a most interesting chart this one is. So how did you find it, Finey? I found it because you emailed it to me. Otherwise, I would have found it at the bottom of a very stinky rubbish bin. Uh, or a bird cage or something, I would have thought. Um, All right. Do you want me to start? Uh, yes, sir. Mannix is fiddling around with his phone and dropping in and out and dropping in, but he's back in now. All right. We're looking at this chart. Finally, he's going to start us uh, with uh, his number three, good and bad. Jesus. Right. Actually, I reckon it's a very important chart because – I think it proves something. Now, who – the ARIA chart, who's the, who's the sort of financial clout behind the ARIA chart? What's – people don't just do this – didn't do this just out of the goodness of their heart. Well, it's the national chart, so it's it's allegedly a compilation of all the radio station charts and all the, you know, official charts that come in and go bang and then they calculate it from each state and that's – this is the – ARIA chart, which is the national chart. Because by this time, 1991, most radio stations weren't printing a chart. So right. your, your 3XYs and your your 4OPs and all of them, they'd gone by the by the wayside then. It was all the FM, FM stations, and most of them weren't doing a chart at this stage. But it was still packed some punch, and if you were up there and had a number one hit, top ten hit, that was worth dollars, wasn't it? Oh, you were still selling music in 1991, weren't you, Brian? Oh yeah, yeah. But, it probably know, wasn't it, as good, but it was still pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty pre- streaming and stuff. But to be up there in the charts, it was worth money, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. All right. I want an inquiry. <laughs> mm. No, no. These shenanigans have gone on here. No question. Mm. Who in the fuck a rat cat and what in the fuck is singles? <laughs> because I listened yeah. to it. There's no film clip for it. It's just. There's nothing that it barely exists. No one's ever listened to it. It's got it's had less downloads than boy pissing on self in birthday parties. <laughs> it's a, just a, a sort of a, a it's a song from some pub band in the back of their mace. Somebody th- th- this is number two in the charts. My arse it is. There's something going on here. 
Rat cat and tingles. I mean, this is bullshit. No one knows that song. That song does. There is shenanigans going on. All right. Uh, we'll, let, we'll let Brian talk about rat cat in a minute, but give us your number three good. On the other hand, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Look, R.E.M. are not my cup of tea always, but that is a great song. That's an iconic song. You, you can hear that. You know the words. And it is a powerful song. Now, what's his name? Stipe or Michael, Michael Stipe? Stipe. Yep. I'm sad he lost his religion, but I'm glad he sung about it. All right. Okay. Uh, Rat Cat, Brian, now what, do you, what do you know about Rat Cat, the three-piece band out of oh, Newcastle from memory? Australia's version of the Ramones, they didn't really bring anything new to it, but they were a breath of fresh air at a time when everything was adult-orientated rock. So you had 1927s, I had a picture of you and all that sort of, you know, soft cock stuff. And so their their aggression was kind of welcomed. It was different to what everybody else is doing. Now, Kev, I'm going to get you to do the next thing because what I'm finding tonight is every time I look at the chart, I cut myself off. So I just need to have a quick look. So you do yours and I'll be back. Okay. My number three uh, in the bad, I've actually got the lyrics of this song for my number three because I couldn't believe that this this piece of excrement – I reckon you're right, fine. I reckon there does need to be an inquiry because this thing was number 23. It's called Mary Had a Little Boy. And I I watched the clip and the girl comes on and sings, Mary had a little boy, but little did she know that everywhere that Mary went, the little boy was sure to go. And then this dude with a very uh, ill-fitting cap then comes on and starts rapping about Mary saying, you know, saw her at the mall, stand tall, courage don't fall. To her smoothly I approached, tried to speak and almost choked, abnormal for the ruthless chiller. Normally I'm a lady killer. Gear me up and break, will ya? Um, Why were my nerves shaky? I knew she'd make me and not break me. Well, I'm sorry. Mary Had a Little Boy by Snap or Snappy or whatever it is, is just um, a horrible, horrible little piece of, uh, of crap. So... Mary uh, had a little piece of crap. Is going in at my number three. It's an awful song. My number yeah, three, good. Puts me off the idea of having a souvlaki tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, and my number three, good. I'm, I'm happy to say my three uh, goods are all Australian songs. Uh, and my number three in the good is you're going to go. You're going to you're going you're to pull faces, Mannix, and you're going to you're going to carry on. But my number three good is The Horses by Daryl Braithwaite. I have no problems with that. Because when I it came did. out, I thought it was a terrific song. I thought Margaret Ehrlich's performance as the female vocal on it made it. Um, and I just thought, good song. Well done, Daryl. Uh, it's been killed to an extent um, as, a, as a song to listen to of recent times because it's just, you know, Everywhere you go, the bloody Melbourne Victory Games, and they sing it after the thing. You go to the Cox Plate, and they sing it, and it's everywhere. So, so they probably killed it off a bit. But at the time when it first came out, I thought very good song, Daryl, well done, and it deserves to be one of a three good. Whose song is it though? It's, not it's a Ricky Lee Jones song. Yeah, I mean, everybody's using it. You know, four and twenty were going to use it, and then they realised it sent a bad message. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, now, Mannix, what have you got for me uh, that you've uh, had a look? Well, look, um, I've only had a quick look because I I looked at Savo, but um, 
Look, you know, I, I was going to put horses in because I think it, it is a song that strikes a resonance with a lot of Australians and it's, it's ge- cross-generation. So well done, Daryl, and whoever decided to pick it and great performance by Daryl. But my number three good, and this isn't somebody I normally rap, but I think George Michael's Freedom is not a bad song. Yep. And, um, you know, as I said, it's not my cup of tea, but... Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, and um, and I presume, from what I gather, Kev, you went for Mary Had a Little Boy. <sighs> yes. Like I, I haven't heard it, but I just saw the title and I thought, no, that is that is going to be shit. Oh, it is. So, uh, so I, I, I'm going to uh, go along with you on Mary Had a Little Boy, you know, which Mary. is the follow-up to Rolf Had a Little Boy. And no, it's, it's not. Rolf. It's got nothing to do with that. Um, it, uh, yeah, just a bloody awful song. Absolutely. Mind you, there's no shortage of awful songs on this in this chart. Hooey. Uh, it's, why we, it's why we haven't gone too close to the 90s because there's not a lot of redeeming value in the 90s, I can tell you. Finally, what did you find to fill the number two spot? Okay, let's go to number two. And number two, bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Terrible. Now, look, Rick Astley, I don't like. I don't like him a mullet. I don't like him standing there like he's, like he's a, a, you know, a contestant on Sing Without Moving. (laughs) I don't like his attempted diction. He's trying to, now he's trying, you know, in this cry for help, he's trying to be a, you know, it's as though Bernard King went through him like a dose of salt. <laughs> say the word, boy. Say the word. Pronounce. Pronounce. <laughs> Anyhow. But on top of it, the words are so patronising to women. You know, the last thing he should be is patronising to women. He's three quarters of the way there anyhow. So, <laughs> anyhow, he's never going to get in my good list and he's always going to have a crack at the band. So, bump bow. Yep. Cry for help, very ordinary song. That's when he had the really long hair, wasn't it? Oh yeah, had the Jesus yeah. look going on. It looked it looked like a cross between what's that guy Bol- What's that guy Bolton? Michael Bolton. Yeah, and Leanne Edelston. <laughs> it is a bit. All right, so what's your number two good do? Uh, tack on with REM. Okay, we're going to go Australian. Yep. A great band. And the other night I was watching TV. It must have been Rage or something. I don't know. I was just flicking channels and they had, like, a feature on this band and I just left it. I left it till I fell asleep, about three minutes. But, no, no, it was, I kept waking up and they, it was just playing all night. They very underrated, the Hoodoo Gurus. Oh, so yeah. Miss Free Love 69. Yep. I'm with you. Great, very good band. Yeah, I, lo- I love the Hooter Gurus, always have, and I'll, I'll ha- happily put Miss Free Love in at. Uh, uh, well, actually, no, I won't put it at number two. I've got it. I've got it one higher than that. I've got it. Three. I've got, I've, yeah, I've, <laughs> so I've got. I've got it up the top. So I'm. I'm with you there a million percent on uh, Miss Free Love. Uh, I'll go. Do you want me to go now, Brian, or do you want to go? No, you go. I've, I just forgot the one I picked. Okay. Well, my number two good is another Australian, and it's um, the Screaming Jets, another band that I really like. Um, probably not my favourite Screaming Jets song. There's a couple of others I like more than this one, but Better's just a good song, just a good rock song. Dave sings it really well. Um, it gets a bit of grunt going during it, and uh, and I, I like the Screaming Jets, so 
Um, very happy to have them as my number two good. My number two bad, oh, God, I'm telling you, there was some, some – the dance music in this chart – Honestly, if you went to the discos in the early 1990s and they were playing this stuff, there's no way known you were doing anything but trying to pick up as a member of the opposite or same sex because you weren't there to listen to the music because the dance music, I reckon, in the 70s had something going for it, in the 80s had something going for it, but most of the crap in this is just absolute – you wouldn't be there to dance. You'd only be there to drink and, and pick up because yeah, – I can't tell you how right you are because – <laughs> house music and dance music has developed and it is sophisticated and and to me compelling now. Yeah. But what but unfortunately it started off with this tin pot, you know, sausage grinder crap. Yep. So you're hundred percent correct. A lot of people think that that's dance music. That's not dance music, that's that's studio produced dross. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, no, and the one I'm going to pick now to go into my number two bad is the number four song on this chart by Dimples D, whatever that is, Sucker DJ, which is basically um, a, a bit of a I Dream of Genie, dude, do 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 What I mean is, and then a guy comes on and raps, and it's just again formalized crap. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, I've, got, I've got to say, a lot of DJs I know love that song. Really? Not so, to play it, just yeah. the idea of the title. Yeah, suck a DJ, which if, if it was a, you know, a backstage request, fine, go for it. But if it's uh, anywhere else, it just doesn't work. It's just an awful, awful uh, – and the I Dream of Genie theme is quite a good little piece of music and just to – Mangle it in the middle of all that was just another one of those uh, atrocities of this chart. Right, so that's my number two bad. Number two good is better by um, the Screaming Jets. Mr Mannix. Well, um, yeah, I picked it and then I forgot. And every time I go to look at the chart, I disconnect, so I apologise to you, Afini, and um, uh, both our listeners, So, mm. um, which is, of course, you and Afini. Mm. Um I don't bother listening. Um, no, the Soup Dragons. I'm free. I think it's great. Um, oh. I love the I love the attitude. That I'm free. Do in your time. You know, you're not going to hear a voice like that on the Voice. You know, just the lazy rock and roll attitude too. I think it's terrific, and the lyric. It's it's a perfect vocal performance of a lyric that says that. Um, I think it's an old Rolling Stones song, isn't it, Kev? I'm not sure, actually. You're probably right, but I'm not sure. I know the song really well, um, and I didn't bother to listen to it or check it today because it was in my kind of ambivalent um, pile, to be honest. I didn't I didn't hate it and I didn't love it. Well, okay. Um, no, I, I love it. I love the attitude. It's a bit sort of sloppy. It's not overproduced. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. sort of – it's rock. Or, you know, it's just got the attitude. So that's – Thing. Now, my other one, I, I forget what they're actually singing here, uh, Ken. You'll have to help me out because mm. I don't want to disconnect again. Mm. But Rod Stewart and uh, Rod Stewart's Fresh from His Stomach Full of Cum album, <laughs> which is. No, no, it Takes Two is the song you're talking about, isn't it? It Takes Two. He's talking about his testicles. He's no, it's not. It's, it him and Tina, well. it's him and Tina Turner, and it's an old Motown song, I think, from memory. It takes two, baby. I think it might have been Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell who did the original version of it. 
Well, the problem with this version, Kev, is it's got all these 80s or 90s production. Everything's, you know, compressed and separation and stuff. And the whole thing with Motown was it was all about bands playing live together and that's what gave the vibe and the groove. And, you know, if you listen to some Motown records, there are mistakes on the record, but they just go, nah, we'll go with that because the vibe is great. Yep. And and this is a technical exercise in money-making. Um, I don't think anybody's really excited about it, not even Rod or Tina. And um, I'm certainly, if they're not feeling it, well, why the hell should I? So... Um, this is my number two bad. Yep, They're good, good great choice. Artist, great artist, but this was just a waste of everybody's time. Yep, no, good choice. Good choice. Uh, righto, finally, here we go. Number in, in the bad section so far, we have Tingles by Rat Cat and Rick Astley's Cry for Help. In the good section, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. and Miss Free Love by The Hoodoo Gurus. So what are we adding on uh, the cherry on the top here of these two? Well, look, let's start with bad. I'm going to tell you this. This chart is full of remixes, cover versions by bands and, and artists that had the greatest chutzpah of all time to dare release these songs. So I'm putting all them together and putting it aside as how dare you. Yep. I won't even listen to you, you singing these songs, so piss off. <laughs> now, for something to be worse than Tingles by Ratcat and um, – Cry for, for help by by Fat Cat. I am, <laughs> I am telling you, I would rather get my balls licked by four cats with coarse tongues than ever put myself through this again. This song starts with the most stupid sort of five or six times they go through the title of the song. Then somebody sings, but not sings. It sounds like a car alarm. And then that stops for the ubiquitous grade three rap. You know, I went to the party and I hup, 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 You know, yeah. that's, there are some smart wordsmiths out there that have done, you know, good rapping and I like it. But this is, you know, this is nothing better. This is no better than Valentine's Day greeting card poems. I mean, this is <laughs> fucking dross. And as for who they are, God knows. God, because, again, nobody's ever listened to this. It doesn't even come up when you search it. It comes up as a misspell. The track is called Opera House with two O's. Yes. I mean, what's Opera House? Yes. By the world-famous something team. Uh, hang on. I, I, did, I did a bit of research on this one. The world-famous. Supreme Team Show. Oh, all right. Now, calling this. The world famous Supreme Team Show is like calling this podcast the most important broadcast since man broadcast from the moon. Yep. This, it would be like calling this broadcast one small step for man, one even bigger step for mankind, up your <laughs> real arm from you and nobody. World famous. <laughs> you know, world famous. That This mob, if they walked in, to your house tonight, you'd call you'd call the police and have them sectioned. They'd be in the Alfred Hospital mental, you know, the 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 psychic department within ten minutes. Yeah. World famous. Yes, I agree. The Andrew Packard no hopers. Yeah, that's 
I did a little bit of work on it, and of those two words will explain what you listened to this afternoon and what you watched when this song comes up. And anybody who goes and does this now uh, on the on the strength of you making it your number one bad, two words: Malcolm McLaren. Oh, is that one of his projects? It's one of his projects. Well, next time I go to the toilet and have a crap, I'll I'll look for the song (laughs) in my my droppings. Yes. Uh, Just that explains. When I saw his name on it, I went, there you go. And I think, is this the one that was the, I'm not sure, is this the one that was, no, it wasn't. No, yes, it was. It was the one that was part, it was part of a British Airways commercial uh, in the UK. Well, I spell Malcolm McLaren with two vaginas. So he can still <laughs> opera house with two now, what's your number one good now that we've uh, we've fixed Malcolm right. up? All right. Now, it, sort of in the – if you look at this chart, it is mainly horrible electronic dance music that has no right to call itself dance music. As you said, yep. you know, I mean, bloody – no one would get up to dance to this music, even if they're bloody – Pants on fire and and terrible remixes and some good Aussie music, a bit of rock and roll, and then that fruit tingles shit by Rat Cat. But <laughs> but this guy's interesting, singer, actor, good at both. Probably not a not a huge disog- discography, but I reckon. Well, this is one of the great songs because it's different. It's completely different. It is. It is. It's moody, it's individual. Maybe we've heard it too many times to think it's unique, but I still think it is. It's Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. Hey, I thought that's who you were talking about when you said uh, singer-actor. Yeah, but I think it's a great piece of music. been played so often now and been sampled in other tracks and that that you're so familiar with it, I don't think people realise that it came out of an era where a lot of the music was – no better than the bit of cheese you find on the on a pizza box that you <laughs> you, you pick it off because you're hungry, and then you think, "Why in the fuck am I eating cheese and cardboard?" <laughs> yes, yes. So it's like the first of, time come out of a difficult period. Great yeah. song. No, I agree. I like time. the song. Well, it's the first time we've said cheese in the whole episode. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah. No, it's a good song. I agree with you, uh, Funny, and I I, I I I like Chris Isaac stuff. Um, yeah, I always always liked his stuff. It, it is a good song. It's not my number one, but uh, but um, my number one, as I mentioned, is Miss Free Love by um, by the Hooter Gurus. I just think it's a great song. Just a really good, fun song. And and uh, and, and well, hang on a sec. It's Miss Free Love '69. Yes, it is. That's, that number '69 proves that there's nothing really for free in love, is there? Exactly. Uh, and and the clips uh, got great attitude, and the the songs got great attitude. And I, I've just always liked the band. I reckon they're a really good, fun band. And that's my, and that's leaving the divinals out of this my top three. And that was I touched myself was very close to making it for me. But number one, uh, well, you can do it after the show if you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you reckon? I don't normally. Uh, my, my number one. My number Brian's one. Doing a jury. Yeah, I know. We've got to stop him doing that. My number one uh, bad uh, is uh, you've summed it up. Everything that's bad about this is all the cover versions, the electronic – I mean, if you're going to do a cover version of a song that is already a good song, you've got to do something to it to make it better, not just put a bit of rap in it and 
change it around a bit and instead of a male singer, make it a female singer. And I think the guy, I don't know, they've got two songs on this, Black Box they're called, and their version of Fantasy, the Earth, Wind and Fire song, which I love, they just absolutely screwed it up, made a mess of it, um, and it actually made you feel bad about when you listen to it. It's just a friggin' awful version, and Black Box pissed right off because you're horrible. So that's my number one. Bad. Do you know it's actually Orange? Hey, Orange Fox. It's actually Orange, the Black Box. It's an Australian invention. Isn't it a Black yeah. Box? No. Black Box on a plane is an Australian invention. Yeah, I know that, but is it Orange? It's Orange. Mm. Yeah, well, it's got to be easy to find. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> no, it's true. They, it's orange, and it's an Australian invention. There you go. The, the, at which it, uh, I don't know which comedian was the first one to do it, but why don't they make the whole plane out of the same substance as they make the orange, the, the black box out of? Surely that's. I've, I've heard a much ruder version. Of yeah, that I'm sure you have, um, as so have I. Righto, Maddox, <laughs> you've had a look. How about my discipline not to drive down gutter Yes, well, for with, once. With the mention of black box. Once, once. Been very mature tonight and I'm very proud of myself. Once. If, if anybody wants to know, if anybody's ever seen a greyhound just before it get, goes into the boxes on a loose, that was Brian restraining himself with the said <laughs> black box. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, what have you got to you, have you? <laughs> yes, it's been very difficult. I, I don't know why. Normally, I can flip across, and it doesn't matter. But All right. Well, you know, it's okay. Well, the people would people listening to don't know that you've dropped in and out about six times no, while you've been checking probably, the chart. They are probably grateful that I've given you and Finey a chance to actually <laughs> chat yeah. without me interrupting with some freaking crap, you know, gutter innuendo. So anyway, um, now the look, the floor is yours, Mr. Mannix, for your number one uh, good okay. and your number one bad. Apologies to Bitter Tears by In Excess. I think it's a great song. Mm. Uh, very good. Um, our good mate Jack Jones, hold me in your arms. Wow, gee, that's that's a very special, lovely vocal song performance. For a lot of people, yes, but but I've said this before, and I think that to write a really good pop song is really difficult. It's quite easy to write a, a ballad that, you know, tears at people's heartstrings. You know, people love them, but that's, that's not that hard. But to write a pop song like I Want to Hold Your Hand or something, that's really difficult. Um, so my number one is going to be the number one song, and I know a lot of people won't like this, but um, uh, Roxette Joyride I think is, is a really perfect little pop song. And the sort of song you'd want to use in a movie at the start of a movie or something, um, you know, it's probably not the greatest song, but it's a very, very good pop song. So I'm going okay. to uh, put that as my number one um, because I respect the the craft of writing a good pop song. Okay. Um, and I think it's really well produced. So well done to Roxette. And also she well was done, on the back. Well explained. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Now – I only had limited time to look at the bad songs, and there were plenty afoot. Oh, is there uh, ever? Now, can you just describe me how the Shoop Shoop song, I've got a nagging feeling that I hate this. That's the old It's In His Kiss. Hey? It's a, it's an old, an old Betty Everett song originally um, called It's In His Kiss. 
Does he love me? I want to know that. So is it in his eyes? Is it in his eyes? That's a good It's a Again, it's like Joyride. It's just a perfect little pop song. Okay, well, I'll jump off that and I'll go. I reckon that was in a movie that Cher did. I reckon it might have, was it, oh, what was that? It might have been Mermaids. I reckon it might have been in Mermaids. Might have been. The Shoop Shoop song, yeah, it's in his kiss. So that. Yeah, but but that. It yes. might have been a terrible remix. I mean, you wouldn't want to hear Leonard Cohen sing the Shoop Shoop song. <laughs> Actually, strangely enough, I would. <laughs> um, look, because I can't, I don't want to disconnect. I'm going to say number 17. Number 17. Oh, hang on. This is like doing Tats Lotto. Number 17 is a very awful song. It's called Just oh, – it's Kathy Dennis, I think her name is. And I'll have to pull it up here. Uh, just Another Dream by Kathy Dennis. It's another one of those dreary, horrible, bloody, terrible uh, dance songs. She was a red-headed, uh, green-eyed English woman, I think. And uh, that was a particularly ordinary song. I'll tell you what, uh, the, the top uh, – you mentioned Tingles by um, uh, Ratcat. Uh, number three, Falling by Julie Cruz. That was the theme from Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's not bad. That was a very – what a haunting piece of music that is. I've forgotten how um, sort of that immediately you hear – only have to hear five seconds of that and you're there watching the TV show. Um, very haunting piece of music. Very strange top ten. One of the weirdest top tens I reckon we've ever had. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was just on the Rat Cat fan site. Yeah. Also known as it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they were huge rat cat there for five seconds. They were massive. They were massive. Where? Where? Here. Down at Maidstone Greyhound. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kev. Yes. What was number 17? Kathy Dennis, Just Another Dream. Kathy Dennis, it was, as was I said. It, was it appropriately dreadful? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a very ordinary. It's, a, it's another, oh, who would I, who would I say she's like? Uh, like a uh, another one of those uh, homogenized go along. Uh, you know how you you know when you go and buy milk in the supermarket. Yes, I do. You know, so you say buy it in the deli. So <laughs> you should say you, you go to the you go to the top. Then the best milk is up the top. So the the best milk is you know your Madonnas and that of this kind of genre. Right down the bottom in the corner is the one that's kind of milky white and doesn't taste like milk and doesn't look like milk and doesn't have a lot going for it. Kathy yep. Dennis is that one. Oh, God bless her. So, mind you, she's not alone in this chart because there's a few others in this chart. That, 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 that unexplainable song called Sadness by Enigma is just another song you scratch your head and wonder. Um, Bette Midler had a song in this chart called From a Distance, which I think was from a movie as well. Um, she didn't sing it very well. Actually, ice, ice. It's not a great. It's not a great vocal performance by her. From a distance. No, nah, there's a few quivers in there that I would want to re-record. I like that. I, if I, I was producing. I like. I think stuff. she's a great entertainer, but I think she's not a great singer. She's you know she's adequate. She's good and she's a great entertainer, but um, you know she's an uncanny X Men style singer. Right. Good entertainer, uh, but not that great a singer. Better with the jokes and the. Yes. No, 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 I want to hear about you and Bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I, such a juicy story too, but okay, I, 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 I'll respect that. Oh, 
you're in a TAB, tell us about it the time you had a bet. So <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. At this point in time, 1991 or whatever, the Simpsons were at the height of their powers. Yep. They've got a top ten song, Do the Bartman. They obviously could have released a fart in a tin can and put to top ten. Yep. Doing the Bartman's shit house. Yeah, no, it's very ordinary. Not not a big fan of uh, of that one at all. Yeah, it's a, there's some there are some most unusual. I'll put I'll put it up on the uh, on our social media this chart because it is one that you need to have a look at. Uh, it's a it's a most interesting one. That's it, boys. We're, think- we've 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 finished. We're done. We're done. Well, it's been quite um, reasonable tonight, for my respect. Anyway. Um- I haven't been a total disgrace this week, so I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a, a, a goal in life, Brian, and it's yours. Well, You're not well, a total you disgrace. It's, you can't be shit house every week, Kev. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite happy that I've been quite uh, shown some decorum this week. And um, but the most important question, which most of our listeners want to know, mm. and I don't know if you touched on it, Wallace, a bit fining. Have you been down to the $2 shop this week? <laughs> I was. Oh! I kept it all a secret. What I had a very good interaction this week. Oh. Are you going to – we going to down there today. So are we going to get this next week? Are you going to give us the full resume of for the full oh, rundown? It's quite quick. It's, yeah. I went down there because I closed a bit early today, 2 or 3 o'clock, so I thought I'd go down there and see if he's open. Yeah. And he was there. I said, uh, uh, you're open. He goes, of course I am open. He goes, I thought you had a business. Why aren't you opening today? I said, I was. I just was there. He goes, he goes oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I don't think he believes I've got a business. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and then he told me, and then he said, well, you know, I'm hardworking and what I do here is for the family. I work hard. I said, I understand that. I know. It's very good. It's very good. He goes, we have to open today. There's no public holiday. People need things today. Unfortunately, nobody comes, nobody is in the street. Everybody's away for holiday. That's a good thing for them, but not so good for me. But I have a good work ethic. Do you know what that means? <laughs> I said, yes, I know what that means. I said, and I said, by the way, I need something. I'm here to buy something. And he just ushers me into the shop. Because those pens I got of him were quite good. Yeah, you said that. Well, they worked, and they worked. There's nothing wrong with them. But like everything in a deli, they've gone missing. (laughs) 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 So I had to get some of that and to buy some electrical tape. And I couldn't find the pens anymore. I said, where are they? I bought them last time, those things. He He goes, our stock is in, what did he say? Immeasurable and difficult. He goes, I have got. Somewhere stop. I don't even know where it is all the time. <laughs> I said, Well, I want those pens again. And he remembered, he goes, I'm not searching for $2 pens. If it's in stock, it's in stock, not in stock, not in stock. <laughs> so I'm now trying eight, eight, a, an eight pack of electrical tape, right? Yeah. $3.99. Oh, geez, you've gone up a dollar. I said to him, I'm using this to hold something together that actually sits above my head when I work. It better, it, they better not, it better not unstick. And do you know what he said to me? <laughs> he said, "There's no guarantee." 
<laughs> I said, does your, does your electrical tape stick or not? He goes, well, I've never used it, but no guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> so expect me to get knocked out at some point during the week. <laughs> oh, and he did tell, no, oh, I, I forgot the big one. So I said, I said to him, because his wife wasn't around, I said, I'm more comfortable when your wife's on here. She doesn't like me. Yes, not at all. I said, I think I've worked that out. He goes, I've defended you with her. I said, pardon? He said, last time you were here, she said, do not, do not allow him here. He's a racist. I said, no, no. He's lazy, yes. <laughs> he is childlike, definitely. A drunkard, probably. But I don't believe he is a racist. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not a racist. Uh, and he goes, he goes, well, you're not, are you? I said, no, not at all. I, I'm, I'm, if I offend you, I'm not doing it out of anything other than just having a bit of fun. He goes, I told her that. I told her that you would, could be rude to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, but definitely not racist. So he has stood up for me. He has, he has taken on the dragon and defended me. But when I said, every time I said, she doesn't like me. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, you're bonding, you two. You're bonding, you two. I felt that there was some connection until he told me, as I'm walking out, do not come back. There is not a guarantee on – no guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> we can't guarantee that our sticky tape will stick. Fair enough. Well, good, okay. uh, good business. Yes, well, yeah. You got a disclaimer for everything. Um, yeah. His version of T's and C's apply. Yeah. I don't know where stock is. We have much more than you can have. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't going down the back uh, hunting through 150,000 different things of stock to find a $2 packet of beans. Remember, you remember how much I spent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, well, you've you've gone up. You go. You'll be pushing up to the five dollar mark next time. Finding, you need to ask and, your mother. And by the way, by the way, right? So, like he's you know because all shopkeepers wear a mask, etc. He's asked me. He said to me, "Could you please put a mask on?" I said, "I don't have to put a mask on." He goes, "Because you come up to me always talking and, and you spend too much time here." <laughs> he's, he's got, I think he's got to be listed as a close contact. <laughs> he wants me to mask up because I spend too much time in the shop. Uh, that, that's really not encouraging people to come in. No, 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 not great customer relations going on there. But anyway, I reckon you two are bonding. There's something going on there. I know one thing's for sure. He doesn't look kindly on people who go to the pub or the TAB. Oh. So we're not going there together. Right. And right. you to know, because I think there's a fair chance I'll be coming down to meet the Chinese man this week, time permitting, and knowing that I will come in and tell him that I've just been in the pub and the TAB before I start. Well, yeah, well I'll, I'll, meet, I'll meet you down there because I'll come to let you find food first. Well, I know of two people that have gone there and have referenced, not the podcast, <laughs> but this, the situation, <laughs> and he's completely fresh-aired them. Like he's, I don't know him. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> I've, I've got a feeling he's, under, he's, you know, he certainly doesn't want to extend my circle of influence. <laughs> well, why not buy a $5 ukulele and ask him about the lessons? He might give him a clue. Yeah. I, you know, that's the other thing. I think I bought the last ukulele. Oh, there you go. You're going to have to find something else, Brian. I reckon you. Well, is it toy? Him is it toy? Why did you not? Don't you understand? It's embarrassing for you. <laughs> <laughs> you are, and now that is a proper child. <laughs> that is not a proper ukulele. <laughs> oh, goodness me. That's what I was in shock. What? <laughs> uh, really? Well, uh, well, have a lovely week at uh, Lenny's Fine Foods, uh, Fanny. Uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, and just one thing from the deli. Mm. Yes. This is what happens when you just don't, you're not concentrating. So a lady came in last week, she was sort of regular, and said, um, do you sell bananas? And I said, we don't sell them, but I've got some. And I went out the back uh, because we were making something on that fruit. We're not even making I think somebody brought some fruit in for us to sample, actually. And I brought out some bananas, and she said, no, no, I want a pack of lolly bananas. <laughs> Oh, lolly bananas? Yeah. I said, oh, I don't have those. <laughs> Why are you bringing me out bananas? I should have known. She was looking through the lolly section at the time. Oh, oh. there you go. I'm learning, I'm learning the trade. You'll get there. Are. You'll get there. Uh, no doubt at all. All right. Thank you, Finey. Thank you, Brian. Uh, uh, take care, you two, and I'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, meet again this same time next week. Yeah, and good luck your first week as coach of Essendon, by the way. Oh, look, I couldn't do any worse than what they're already oh, doing. Give you get off yourself, you Oh, dumb. look, it's not that. I spoke to Tom Hafey years ago, and he said, look, it's not that hard. Football's Mate, a pretty simple game. People just overcomplicate it. By uh, Brian, you were that yes. far up truck last year, people were <laughs> mistaking you for a manifold. <laughs> well... He needs to pull the trick or two out this week. Otherwise, it's once again, sack the coach. And on that note, we shall adjourn for another week of Rock and Roll. Thank you, boys. Take care. See you soon. Bye. You've just experienced Rock and Roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.